Sorry. Hello and welcome back to Ball Talk, baby. I'm here again today with the great, the one, the only, the hairy, the gorgeous, the man himself, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. Love it. Again. Love it. Uh, we're coming to you live, not actually live, but I uh, always say that for some reason. At 6.13 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Sunday, November 29th. Um, to talk to you, well, we, we uh, the offseason's kind of gotten boring at this point. Everyone's been signed. All the teams are pretty much finalized. There's no big-name free agents still on the market. So, I mean, except for Anthony Davis, but everyone knows he's going back to the Lakers. Yeah, the I, only heard the, question. I heard the Knicks have a chance. I heard the Bulls have a chance. <laughs> I heard the Bulls agreed to sign him, but, uh, you know, Anthony Davis didn't agree to their contract. <laughs> As in, whatever. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I stole an Instagram meme and I botched it. It happens. It happens. Um, Speaking of Instagram, though, go follow the official Ball Talk page, too. Ball Talk official, baby. Follow it. Lots of great content. Uh, we don't post, you know, we, I think we post the highest quality NBA memes. I think so. <laughs> I think we post some high quality NBA information, memes, just cool sports stuff happening in the world. So yeah, we keep it we keep it good. It's good there. All right, so I'm gonna talk to you guys about the big thing that's happened this summer is preserving cap space. So I was sitting there, I was gonna talk about the Miami Heat and their preserving cap space, and I realized that like, wait, I should just explain how this works for everybody. I should explain. It's like it's gonna be really boring to have to re-explain this when we talk about the Mavericks, the 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 Raptors, the Lakers, and all these other teams that are keeping cap space open. Better to just do it all in one shot. Explain the mechanics of preserving cap space, how to do it properly, and all of that. So we're going to do that first, and then we're going to talk about the Heat and the Mavericks in a deep dive. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to I'm gonna get started. The first thing I want to talk about is the players that are going to be free agents. At the time of this filming, the class – can include, depending on if they take their options, depending on if they sign extensions, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Victor Oladipo, CP3, Kyle Lowry, Rudy Gobert, Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and possibly Anthony Davis, depending on his contract. These are all former All-NBA guys. Even if they aren't All-NBA guys now, they all would have been the most accomplished player in this past year's free agency. Um, and now they aren't all NBA talents still, but they're still at worst elite second or third options. I, I don't think anyone's really saving the capacities for Derrick Rose or Blake Griffin, but I still want to put them in there alongside the list of everyone else with the all NBA, the former all NBA guys that will be free agents. So the teams I'm going to focus on with this discussion are the Heat, the Raptors, the Mavericks, and the Lakers, because they're the ones that are in play for the top tier free agents, because they are the ones that are contending right now with their rosters but also have the ability to restructure the cap sheet to sign one of these guys I mentioned to a full max contract or within about $2 million of that max. So let's go. I'm going to give you guys a quick roadmap of the discussion. I'm sorry. This is only me to, this is going to be almost entirely me here. Chaz might pop in for like a little thing, but this is like an OG ball talk thing that I used to do on the SoundCloud where I'm just going to be going at you guys for a long time, almost entirely by myself. So I'll give you guys a quick roadmap. Quick disclaimer, what I'm going to say really only applies to good teams and good front offices. They may not think exactly the way that I think, but 
they have a, but their, their take, their take on what I'm going to be talking about is very similar. Um, bad teams don't think like this and that's why bad teams lose. So first, so, um, this thing I'm going to talk about when a player's skill matters and when a player's fit matters, because I think that's important when you're building your team with preserving cap space in mind. And then we're talking about each of the individual teams and how they preserve their cap space. So when does talent matter and when does fit matter? Talent matters for three players on your team. Your top two guys and one guy off your bench, hopefully he's your best guy, your first guy off the bench, but he doesn't necessarily need to be that guy. For everyone else on the team, fit matters so much, and fit is the only reason that they will, the only reason they should be on the court. On the court. And that's only, that, this only goes for good teams, not great teams. If you're an OG Ball Talk fan, you might remember when I posted that, that SoundCloud video explaining what a good teams do and how their top two players are a big switch, a switchy defensive big and a three-level scorer that can both play make. But that's a, that's a whole – that's a podcast I'm going to need to redo sometime soon. The first guy off the bench, also – he also is not – is also someone whose fit does not matter. It's about their talent if – if, 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 he won't play in crunch time, so his weaknesses can't be exploited too much, or his lack of fit can't be exploited too much, and he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to play, and because he doesn't, nah, that's because he doesn't need to play with your top two. If he doesn't fit with the, if he doesn't fit with your top two, it's fine. You play him off the bench, you play him in minutes without them, you play him with only one at a time, you figure it out. But this only works if he's coming off your bench, doesn't play in the crunch time, and you have a good coach. This was a big issue the Clippers had when Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell both didn't fit with their starters. Um, where are we at? Let's take a look at some good examples. Also, though, the Heat, their top two were Butler and Bam. Their first off the bench, Tyler Harrow. Everyone else their team was at least an all-right defender and knew how to fill their role. They were scorers. They were shooters. They were hard-nosed defenders. They did their role. The Lakers had Anthony Davis and LeBron, and their first guy off the bench – was Ray John Rondo. Rondo was pretty ball dominant, but they still worked with LeBron and AD. Everyone else knew how to play their role and played it. And even guys like Kyle Kuzma, who the fit originally when AD was brought in was weird, he found a way to fit in. He worked on his defense, he worked on his spot up, and he found a way to fit in. You can do this for almost every other good team, like uh, like the Nuggets. I'm not going to do it for them, but you could do it for the Nuggets really quickly. And the same thing go for teams that didn't go that far, like the Clippers, how I explained that they had two guys off their bench that didn't fit at all, and then their coach insisted on playing them and their two best players in crunch time. So, of the teams reserving the cap space for 21, the main four are the Heat, the Raptors, the Mavericks, and the Lakers. Uh, the interesting thing is that they're all doing it in slightly different ways. The Heat are the first team we want to talk about because they got – they did. They just. They were interesting. They got almost everyone back, only losing two guys: Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. So my first low key take. I, I didn't want to drop. I'm dropping takes. The first low, first low key take of mine is that they're going to miss Jay Crowder a lot. And my second low key take is who cares that they if they miss him, even if they don't get Giannis, he's just a fit player. Someone else will fit in. So let's talk about what they did first. They brought back Drogic and Myers Leonard on second year unguaranteed deals. Olenek picked up his option. Avery Bradley's on a second-year non-guaranteed deal. Mo Harkless is in on a one-year contract at about $3.6 million. They signed Bam to a 25% of cap contract, which is not a full max. Also, it doesn't rise to the full 30% 
even if he winds up hitting the Rose Rule guarantees, which are how a rookie player can get a full max. Unless he wins MVP. So if Bam wins MVP, his contract would rise to 30%. If he gets first-team All-NBA, his contract rises 28.5%. If he wins DPOY, it rises to 27.5%, which is less than the first team, which is an interesting discussion that we can have a little bit after this. The only guys they lost were Jay Crowder to a three-year, $30 million deal from Phoenix and Derek Jones Jr. for the MLE to Portland. I imagine neither of them wanted the balloon payments. I imagine Derek Jones Jr. got more guaranteed money over two years than the Heat were willing to give him over two years unguaranteed. For Jay Crowder, I imagine they were offering him a $15 million unguaranteed in the $15 million, a three, a two-year 30 with a second year unguaranteed. But $15 million is to, to then have be the risk of being waived, I see why he went back to Phoenix. So a lot of people are not talking enough about the losing of Jay Crowder, and they will. During the regular season, you're going to hear it. It'll come up, especially during the playoffs. It'll come up a lot when the Heat have to start playing Igudala and Jimmy Butler at the four because they no longer have that four guy that can shoot the three, that can play on the outside, that can do all that. The four guy that can guard strong fours, play on the outside, shoot the three. Now they only have Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard who are not strong defenders at the four. And I don't even know who their other fours are. I I might need to check the uh, check the roster. Chaz, if you could if you could do that for me really quick. I don't even know who else they're gonna have at the four except they if they play Igudala or Butler at the four with Bam at the five. I mean, uh, Kelly Olynyk, Myers Leonard, are they they're still on the team, right? They're fives. They're fives though. They play the five for the for the Only Heat. Only the five. I, I think Chris Silva's. Chris Silva? I think Chris Silva. Well, um, when I'm talking about five, I'm talking more about defense. I'm, I'm, I'm more focusing on the defensive end because Bam can guard fours and fives. So with Bam, you want him being able to guard whichever is the better player from the other team. That's, yeah. why, that's why he had Kelly Olenek and Jay Crowder. They both could space the floor for him. So they, weren't, so they were both like fours on offense. But defense, they could also be the four or the five, whatever Bam needed to guard the better player. Well, in that case, they got Mo Harkless. Yeah, but he's also not a four. And and Pressure Sachua. Yeah, but that's a rookie. So I guess I guess they are just going to be rolling out with some. So I guess it's like I said, they're going to be rolling out with a little bit of of a risk factor. They're playing. They're hoping that Precious will step up as the power forward, or they're hoping that mm-hmm. Mo Harkless will step up as the power forward. I, I've met Mo Harkless. He's a really great guy, but I don't know that he's beefy enough to play the power forward and defend power forwards at an acceptable level compared to Jay Crowder. I think he's much more of a three, or he could guard smaller fours like Jason Tatum, who are actually threes but playing the four, but I don't think he could guard the guys that are like, oh, that's a power forward. I don't think he could guard the Ben Simmons and the Kevin Durant's that, are gonna, that the Heat will have to beat in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, we're talking about the Heat right now. I think it is going to be difficult for them to match up at the four or five. Mm-hmm. They are missing a little bit of size. But that's but that's the thing. But that's what they're it, waiting for the twenty twenty. That's what they're yeah. That's what I'm getting to. They're waiting. They're okay with one year of like putting out whoever they can. Butler at the four, Igudala at the four, whoever they can figure it out. Just throw a body at whoever's the other team's four until we figure it out. And if they lose, it, it'll be sad to see them lose early. But they have such a young team outside of Butler. It's fine to take that L right there. Jermichael Green is a guy who I think could replicate Jay Crowder's production 80% of the level that he did. 
he signed a 15 million two-year deal with the Denver Nuggets. In the coming up free agency, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, and Trevor Reza, and so many more names fit that same description that I just gave of Jay Crowder. Someone will be available for cheap, and having like one less strong season right now is not catastrophic. By letting Crowder and DJJ go and not signing the contracts the way and signing the contracts the way that they did, they're around two million shy of a max contract free agent, who they hope is Giannis. And another interesting wrinkle of that is that Bam and Giannis share an agent. So their agent knows that the Heat won Giannis. Their agent knows that the Heat won Giannis. The agent knows that having Giannis and Bam on the same team will make him more money because they'll get more endorsements, because they'll be in the finals every year. Da 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 da. da. So he definitely signed the BAM contract with a plan in mind to keep it possible to get Giannis there too. Maybe the plan is to trade Tyler Harrow and everyone else, but they definitely, him, their agent, Giannis and BAM's agent, and uh, Pat Riley definitely had a discussion about what it would take to get Giannis there, what Giannis would need, all that, all that, all that. Now, it's not tampering either. I mean, it might be, but I don't care if it is. Um, and it's not to say that there's a guarantee either, but I'm just saying they definitely kept it open and it's a possibility that it happens. Next thing I want to talk about is the Raptors and what they did. So we talked about, how, about this on the three, we talked about them on the three men and we have a bunch, so I don't want to get too deep, but Van Vliet's contract declines next season, then increases in years three and four. Siakam is on a max, but almost everyone else is either a free agent on their rookie contract or their next year is non-guaranteed. So they can quickly make enough cap space. The, the Raptors can wave everybody, quickly make enough cap space to sign a new max contract. What the, Maverick, what the Raps did is different than what the Heat did because their important contracts are all expiring. Unlike the Heat, who all their contracts are non-guaranteed. So the Raptors will have bird rights or non-bird rights on all their important guys. But the Heat have team options. So by declining the options, they won't have the bird rights to go over the cap to sign back their own guys like Igudala, Jurajic, Myers-Leonard. But the Raptors, Norman, Powell, for example, Norman Powell, Stanley Johnson, and OG Anunoby, they, the Raptors will still have their rights. And most of those guys have small cap hits. You could waive other cap hits. You could trade people. You could do stuff. You could maneuver the cap flexibility enough to bring most of those guys back and still sign that big free agent, which in my mind gives them a, an advantage over the Heat, who will probably have to gut their team to sign a max contract player. So let's circle back to my first point about when skill matters. The best players on the Raptor are either Fred Van Vliet or Lowry and Pascal Siakam. And the guy off the bench would be Norman Powell. I don't care how you pick it. I don't care how you pick it. All those guys fit really well. Nick Nurse makes everyone fit really well. Masai Ujiri only brings in guys that fit really well. So I don't think this two, nine, two plus one rule, which is what I'm naming my rule, um, I don't think it matters that much. But you look at it, I didn't say Ibaka. I didn't say Marc Gasol. If you watched the playoffs last year, they were closing, ga- they were closing games against the Celtics with Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, OG Anunoby, um, OG Anunoby, Pascal Siakam. That was their five-man lineup. Those are the five most important guys on the team. I don't see Ibaka, and I don't see Gasol in that lineup. Not that they couldn't have been there, but they weren't. They weren't there. So, by process of elimination, those two are without a doubt fit guys. They were bigs that could defend hard and that could shoot and spread the floor a bit. You know who can do that? Aaron Baines. You know who can do that? Chaz is, uh, Chaz is in love with this player, Chris Boucher. 
they could step up and do the role, even if it's only 80%. Even if it's only 80% of the value, maybe 75% of the value that Gasol and Ibaka had doing it, Nick Nurse will maximize it. And even if it's just one bad year, you take that risk to sign a max contract player. You take that risk to get a Giannis, to get a Kawhi, to get a Paul George. You, you, you take that risk. When it's just fit players, you can take the risk. It's an overarching point. I meant to you know, get a little emotional, but that's the overarching point of this. For the Mavericks, they're my third. They're in another direction that's different, but it's more similar to the Raptors than the Heat. They have lots of money tied into expiring contracts and only have and a very few contracts. They don't have a lot of money on the books for next year. They have the max contract of Porzingis, and they have the rookie contract of Luka Doncic. So that's only about $40 million. That's like having like one really big max contract, like a Chris Paul level. Or it's two $20 million contracts. It's, it's two max contracts for the price of one. You're not spending. They don't have a lot of money invested. The only things on their books are Dwight Powell's $10 million, Kleber's eight, Finney Smith's $4 million, which really, it won't matter. Dorian Finney Smith's deal, will not, he will be back if they sign a max, another max contract player unless something weird happens or they need to trade him to get someone else's money off and Josh Richardson at 11.5 million, but that's a player option, which you will probably decline. The Mavs don't have all their picks, but they have second round picks. They could move another deal. They can make the space. They can move deals to make space, whatever they need to do. They don't need to wave. They don't even need necessarily to wave all their cap holds. Just a few, just a few that they think they need to wave. So like James Johnson's cap hold ones like that. People who are, who are not going to get a bigger deal than their cap hold, you could waive those and they'll easily have enough money for a max contract. They traded the Seth Curry deal and the DeLon Wright deals for Josh Richardson, who will probably decline his option, and James Johnson, who expires. It was a no-brainer deal just for opening up the cap. And on top of that, they're both fit players who I believe fit better with the Mavericks. Compared to the Heat and the Raptors, the Mavericks somehow got better by opening up the cast page, which I think is crazy. The Heat, the, I mean, the Heat Heat lost Jay Crowder, and I know you could think Avery Bradley's good or whatever. Avery Bradley's not replacing Jay Crowder. That team got worse. The Raptors lost two of their centers. I don't care how good you think Aaron Baines is or Chris Boucher is. They got worse. Not, not big worse, but they did get worse. The Mavericks arguably got better. DeLon Wright wasn't amazing on them. Seth Curry was great, but they needed a stronger defender. Josh Richardson brings that in. And uh, they really needed a player that – the James Johnson player. I don't know. Like, they really needed a James Johnson player to be one of their fit players. And obviously, their two plus one, their two is Luke and KP. I don't know who their bench one is. I think they have their entire bench fit, which is really smart in my mind also. But James Johnson, they needed an enforcer. They needed somebody to go, to go fight Marcus Morris after all the stuff he was pulling – on Luca, but because they didn't have one, Kristaps Porzingis stepped up. And that's not good because Kristaps got ejected and they lost that series because of it. They easily could have beaten, they easily could have beaten the Clippers that series if KP didn't get hurt, if KP didn't get ejected, if all this. So James Johnson, not a great player, played 32 games last year, but I could easily see him coming in and being a big, big, important fit player for them. Finally, the Lakers. So this one is missing the small wrinkle that all the time. Okay, this one is, has one small wrinkle, and that's at the time of our filming. Anthony Davis has still not signed a contract, even though training camp is literally Tuesday. This podcast will come out Monday morning. The next day, there will be training camp starting. So it's going to be interesting. 
Now, whether he does or doesn't shouldn't be the biggest deal for the Lakers. They can still make a max slot available if LeBron takes a pay cut. And we can argue about if that is or isn't good for the league, but that's for another time. I don't really care right now. Everyone's contract on the Lakers expire next offseason, except for LeBron, who has an option, Gasol, who makes nearly nothing, and a couple players who would, who would make the same as an open roster charge. If the Lakers didn't stretch the wall dings, it would be an easier exercise. They might be able to keep Harrell, but they did. So it's going to be slightly harder. I imagine they will apply for the disabled player exception again next year, but they were denied this year. I imagine they'll be denied again next year. Um, the disabled player exception would mean that Luol Deng's cap hit would not hit their books. So they still have to pay him, but they wouldn't have to have a count on their cap sheet. So if AD signs a one plus one this year, so he'd be back next year and have an option for the year after, and him and LeBron both opt out, and every one of their cap holds is waived, to Schroeder, everyone, and Montrez Harrell declines his option, Marcus Gasol is dealt, the Lakers could sign a third max contract. I think they can still keep Alex Caruso uh, because I think his cap hold is right around like the two million. Right, is right around the open roster charge call. Taylor Horton Tucker also is right around the open roster charge charge uh, charge hit. So those two guys could probably both stay around. But you'd have LeBron and AD and the third max will all have to lose about one million from their max contract and two million, one million on their first year and two million on their second year. But to those guys, that's pennies. They definitely would do that. The Lakers already used their biannual exception. They have no picks. It's going to be messy, but they could go ahead and do it, and they could get Giannis or still one of the Clippers guys. I think that's a no-brainer. Pray, pray for ring chases on that. Now the two-plus-one rule we talked about for the Lakers. So they have LeBron and AD, and I'm a little worried because Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell both kind of fit that. Schroeder might wind up being the best player off their bench, but that only makes the fit even weirder for those two. But with Frank Vogel coaching, I don't think we can pick that third player until we've seen what he's doing in the offense, how he can make them fit in, how he can make Kuzma or Trez fit in. And I think that's also why you could easily see a Kyle Kuzma trade happen pretty soon. We're going to be doing a deep dive with, uh, with a good friend of mine, Tyler James, pretty soon. He's a big Celtics guy. We're doing a deep dive on the Lakers and the Celtics. And I'm going to explain all the ways that the Lakers can do their cap sheets and their trades and their signings and whatever. So I'm not going to get into that now. But in short, the Lakers reserve cap space. They got better, and in theory, they could work their butt off and sign a third max. It would suck. It would be really hard for them. Rob Palink would be ripping his hair out, but he can do it. So closing this out, I want to explain this again, my 2 plus 1 rule, and why it doesn't matter if you sh- – why with my 2 plus 1 rule, it doesn't matter if you strike out in free ag- in, uh, on the max contracts in free agency. For one, all the All-NBA caliber players could easily be like a fit player if they needed to be. They all know how to play on or off ball. They all know how to do whatever. They're all these two-way – they're all two-way players except for um, Rudy Gobert, who struggles a bit on offense. But he still works as a, as a lob man really well. They can make it work. Whatever, all these teams I mentioned could easily make it work with those guys. So these, those top guys are monsters. The two plus one rule doesn't matter when you have a monstrous player like that because they find a way to make it work. Look at Clay Thompson. Look at Kevin Durant when he joined the Warriors. When you're amazing, you make it work. But also, by creating all this cap space, you can sign. There are so many 2021 names. I just opened it up, opened up my cap sheet here. Markel Fultz right here, Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, P.J. Tucker, Derek Rose, Doug McDermott, Robin Lopez. There's lots of good like 
fit type players in the free agency that now you have enough money to either overpay or underpay if you're, you know, an attractive market or whatever. So it doesn't really matter if they take this risk. The NBA is all about taking risks. And this is probably the safest risk you're going to get. You're going to be able to replace whatever players you lose pretty soon. We saw the Warriors prepare to take the risk when they signed Kevin Durant. They lost Harrison Barnes. They, they timed all their contracts off. They lost players. And then they won two titles because they got Kevin Durant. They took the risk and it worked. This is a safe risk in my mind. And the plan B is still so strong that you have to you, – you can't not do it. You can't fault these teams for doing it, and you can't not do these moves. So now I'm hoping that we can take this over to take some time to deep dive on the Miami Heat, and then we're going to deep dive on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and hoping Chaz will get back in for this. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Thank you. I, I need water, and I don't have a cup. So, <laughs> so you know, every yeah. time I do this, I realize one more thing that I need to have on my table at all times, and this time it is a water, it is a water glass because, man, I just talked a lot, and, man, I am tired. Hopefully we can get a Gatorade sponsor soon, yeah? Oh, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> Shout out IMG. Get me, back my, get me back my Gatorade sponsorship. I miss those days so much. I miss, I miss walking out of practice to drinking some Gatorade. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. Um, money, 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 please. Please give us our money. Give us, give us your money. We need to pay for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the Miami Heat, you just talked about their cap space a lot. We could talk about what they can do, but let's talk about a little bit more what they are doing, what they should do this year, and what we think they can do throughout this season to make themselves an attractive destination for Giannis. Can I talk about this first, though? Okay. Something really big I want to talk about. There was a report from, I think it was, I think it was Spears or something, mm-hmm. that a lot of GMs think the Miami Heat winning was a fluke. And in some ways... Hear me out. In some ways, I think they're right. But if they're saying that it's a fluke for the same reason that I'm going to explain that it's a fluke, then those GMs need to stop calling it a fluke. That's not what a fluke really means. Use a better word. Um, so I don't think it was a fluke in that they got lucky because of the bubble, because the bubble helped their guys because they had real hoopers. That's, that's ridiculous. I think that's ridiculous. They had a bunch of hardworking guys. They played hard. They won hard. It's, it's about culture. They, they had a good culture that promoted being able to make it through this long stuff, this long haul. And I do think it hurt teams like the Clippers who didn't have that strong culture, but so many teams had the strong culture. I don't think it mattered. Um, but I think it's more about the extra offseason that they got with that mini offseason between the two breaks. Guys like Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson – had so much time to really like work on their game, add some stuff to their game, like build themselves up. And I mean, Florida, I don't think Florida ever went into lockdown. You know, they had so long yeah. to go and to, you know, to go work in whatever gyms and like, why would you want to leave Florida as a player? It's not like you're in like Minnesota and you're freezing your butt off. Like, Oh, we have to do like lockdown or whatever in Florida. Well, I guess I'm going to stay in Florida and work with my teammates. They definitely had the time to go in and get an extra work with their teammates to work on chemistry, to add stuff to their game. Jimmy Butler was sending everybody hoops. 
Oh, definitely. Jimmy Butler, I bet I bet Jimmy Butler bought everyone a hoop and like drove it to there. Did he? he did. Oh my god. I thought you were joking. Early in the quarantine he bought because like, Florida had like a two week lockdown, I think, at the very beginning. And he bought <laughs> basketball hoops and shipped it to every single one of his teammates. That's so funny. That's a that's a leader, by the way. That's a leader. That's why they won in the bubble, because he is one of the best leaders in the NBA. And he's not just a good leader, he's one of the best players too. Yeah. And one of the best people. I've heard nothing but praises for Jimmy Butler. I think he's – he's got to be my favorite non-Laker in the NBA over the last, like, 10 years. Oh, yeah. Especially now that LeBron is a Laker. I think he's – I think Jimmy Butler might be my favorite player. Like, since he was – since that, that first Chicago series before he had hair, mm-hmm. you know, and he just would Ball run around. Jimmy for, when he was dropping 40. Run, more like running for 40. Dude played 48 minutes a game for, like, eight games straight for Thibodeau. Yeah. Like – that man, that that man won my heart, and he is just a nothing but be a class act. Like I love, mm-hmm. I love Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler. No, I, um, that's what I think. Also, also former IMG trainee with my coach Dan Bardo, mm-hmm. um, right before his All Star season, if I remember right. Always good to get the shout out in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think uh, for people calling the Miami Heat a fluke, I I would just hear it as more Jimmy Butler slander from the. Uh, officials in the upper echelons of the NBA. I don't understand <laughs> where these people get off on calling Jimmy Butler a bad teammate, the rap he's gotten over the years, or a oh guy goodness. who's not about his team. But I think that the Miami Heat really showed you that when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, Jimmy Butler is about just working hard and trying to win. And there were certain advantages to them, like the hero and Robinson having all that extra time to get in work. And there's also the significant factor of just the bubble – made it easier to shoot, having the depth perception be different on the rims. It's more like a practice gym. There's also the factor of just expecting rookies and young players to come up in big games is often something that can get choked or overlooked now, whereas in front of 20,000 people screaming and yelling, it's a little bit more pressure on the young guys than they would normally just go out to an empty gym and hoop against with their teammates just encouraging them, you know? Yeah. I do. I see the fact that they came out as a five seed, but just like people were saying earlier that the, whoever won this year was going to get asterisks. I think LeBron and AD. There's no asterisks on that. Just mm. like there's no asterisks on the Miami Heat Eastern Conference Finals championship oh, yeah. banner. Like they no, they not a single run. championship has an asterisk in my opinion. They made the run. They beat everybody else. Was it a fluke? No, it's just no. This is what happens in the playoffs. This is what the playoffs are meant to do. You're not always supposed to have the number one or the number two seed go at it. You're supposed to have the best team. The Miami Heat clearly built something throughout the season that was effective in the playoffs, and they showed that. So, I mean, Kevin Durant really said it well. He said, this is like the ultimate test. This isn't, this isn't a, like, a half ring. If anything, this is a double ring. Yeah, this was the hardest. This was like the hardest playoffs, and you could see that on like the on the Clippers. You could see that. Yeah. On how on if you want if you want a very easy op, easy thing, Google Danny Green celebration off the court. He ran off the court. He goes, "I finally get to go home. I finally get to go home." Yeah. He's if if you want to know how hard it was, that's how hard it was. Danny Green won a championship, and all he could think about was going home. Yeah, a lot so, of these guys to not be able to see your families, their kids, wives parents especially during when everything was going on in the states it still is going on in the states you got it going on everywhere man you got to feel for that three four five six months where you're forced to stay apart as much as it's 
you think it's fun because you get to play basketball and you're there with your teammates having a good time, but you got so many things going on around you that I think these guys, to be able to do what they did in the bubble, it's nothing – from here on out, it's got to be nothing but love for the bubble. The fact that the NBA was able to make something where no one got sick the whole time and they were able to be successful and have a championship be declared and these guys were willing to take part and stay there the length of it was really – admirable you can't see you haven't seen that really anywhere else in the world no other sports been able to do it that well the nfl has been all over the place with their covid oh, look at the ravens also we're gonna be talking about the we're gonna be talking about the nfl on uh, wednesday morning's pod i hope yeah a little bit <laughs> but bringing it back to bring it back to miami sorry mm-hmm. really quick no every ring is created equal in my opinion all you can do is beat whoever's in front of you mm-hmm. i don't care what the circumstances are you know, you don't give an, a football team trouble because, oh, they lost that game, but it was in the snow, so it's only a half loss. No one cares about that. You get the game, you get your schedule, you play your games, and that's, that's your record. There's no anything else. Same way for the NBA in the playoffs. You get your schedule, you play your games, and that's the way it goes. So if you're calling it a fluke, shut up, you know? I don't know, I don't know how to say it yeah. nicer. Shut up, like – Stop being salty. How about you win? How about you go to the finals then? Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's the Lakers saying it, then I can't really talk. But I don't think yeah. the Lakers. The Lakers have had nothing but the highest of praises for the Miami Heat. Like, I think they clearly understood how hard and how good the Heat were. Mm-hmm. And that being said, it is going to be harder for the Heat to make a run this year because they are losing the guy like Jay Crowder, who you said before. Yeah. And they are looking a little bit weaker than they did going into the season. They don't. You're going to have to look at guys like Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn are going to have to keep taking a step up. Duncan Robinson's going to have to be that elite shooter that he was in the bubble that you don't know if he's going traveling to stadiums. People are going to be tired differently. It's going to be a whole different season than a lot of these guys have played in a long time. So, Especially for the team like the Heat that only have a two-month off season. Mm-hmm. You know, like unless, unless for Jimmy's next gift to the team is a bunch of hyperbaric chambers – None of them got enough rest. Yeah. Like two months, like you need a hyperbaric chamber for like four hours a night. You need the cryos. You need all that, all that expensive gear. You need all that. You need to be off your feet. You need to be doing like lots of stuff in the pool. Mm-hmm. And of course you still need to be getting your shots up, but man, you cannot be working. I mean, Tyler Harrow looks like he's working, but that guy's just different. So he's like yeah. 20, you know, your body doesn't get that sore when you're 20, mm-hmm. but like, for some of the older guys, like even Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson are like over 25. Like your body starts, loses that elasticity pretty quickly when you're over 25. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no, it's no guarantee that these guys are going to be coming back at full strength. I could see them falling to a sixth seed, but I could also see them having a really good playoffs again when their legs are still getting back into it. So yeah, I'm, that's, I'm not too worried about them. That's the thing with the Miami Heat this year is they're going to be – I think their real pitch – their whole season is going to be a mini pitch to Giannis. It's going to be, look, look at this gaping hole we have for someone to play the floor for us, <laughs> to run, who could take the ball up the floor. We don't have anyone who needs to particularly needs to have the ball in their hands. You can do as much as you want. We already have Bam doing it. You can do it better. And then get into the playoffs. Hopefully they don't have to beat him because that'll be, that will mean he's for sure gone from the Bucks. But if they can go into the playoffs as like a, a six, seven seed, an upset like a two, three-seeded Celtics or Sixers, then mm. you're going to talk about the Miami Heat as like, okay, now they're in the semifinals. There's only four more teams out of the East. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I really want to talk about is if, if the Heat can do it again. 
And doing it again isn't even necessarily making the finals. I think just making ECF is for them doing it again. Yeah. And I just got to say, it really depends on their bracket. Like, I, I, I was sitting there, I was looking at all the teams that can make the playoffs, and I wrote out a list. I'm like, if they go Pacers, Celtics, Bucks, and then, like, anyone but the Lakers in the finals, I think they could win the finals. And then I went, wait, that was the exact rule that they got last year. I'm an idiot. Um, um, so all that, but because they don't have that big four, mm-hmm. it's really going to be hard for them to go against someone like the Sixers or the Nets in my mind. Yeah. Because DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen are good fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Embiid is probably the second best five in the game. Yeah. And then Simmons and KD at the four, I guess you got Bam on him, but you're going to have Kelly Olenek and Kelly Olenek and um, Myers Leonard getting embarrassed by Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Or you have Bam on Bam on Embiid and then Butler on Simmons and Butler's going to get tired. Yeah. And then for the next series, like, I mean, you can't, are you going to have Butler guard KD the entire time? I guess it depends on what kind of KD comes back. But if KD comes back 100% and you're like, all right, Jimmy Butler, you're covering him all game. Bam, you're covering the big all game. And then, like, wait, who's guarding Kyrie? And then, like, it's just going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. I think they can still do it, but it's not going to be – it's not going to be easy. And I think that the Sixers would be – if the Sixers put it together this year – let me start with that. (laughs) If the Sixers can put it together this year and actually have, like, a good team and Doc Rivers doesn't blow a 3-1 lead like he always does – so be the, if he does, it'll be the fourth administration that he blows the 3-1 lead in, which would be hilarious. Another it would make record. me so happy. Um, but, but all of that to say, like, if the Sixers put it together, then they are the death roll for the Miami Heat. They are too big for the Heat to guard. The Heat don't have enough big guards to guard those guys. Or big Sixers, defenders to guard those guys. Yeah, the Sixers are definitely one of those teams that – for me as a Sixers fan, it's been saying it every year. I've been a proponent of getting rid of Britt Brown since before he got there. So, so I, then at the end of the day, the Sixers are going to be too big for the the Heat to actually match up properly. You're going to have Bam Adebayo forced to guard a couple bigs who don't really – and if he's forced to guard Joel Embiid, he's not going to be able to do as much helping as they're going to need him to do on Ben Simmons, on a guy like Tobias Harris who's going to be – you're going to be relying on the 36-year-old, 38-year-old Andre Iguodala to be guarding guys like KD every once in a while. You're going to have him guarding Simmons or Tobias, and it's not going to work out the same way they want it to. I think the Heat's... I mean, it'll work out just not for 40 minutes of a game. Like. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a lot of switching. There's going to be a lot of defensive stands where I think the Heat are going to have a chance. They're going to show their veteran ability to play good team defense. And they're going to be a good team, a team that's going to play you hard that's going to play you well but ultimately they're going to come up a little bit short I think the way that we saw the Heat against the Lakers this year is going to be kind of what the Heat look like against some of the better Eastern Conference teams in the playoffs next year it's going to be like they're good we love them they're working hard but there's clearly just a disparity in their ability to play against the teams like down the roster one through 14 and the playoffs one through eight they won't have enough size, talent, and ability to keep up with a lot of these other teams. The Raptors are going to be one of their best bets because you're going to have they're going to have to rely on Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher to do some crazy stuff for them. And if not, Bam Adebayo is someone who I think can 
make Pascal Siakam disappear. Yeah, so. especially like because because with an Aaron Baines, you can you can feel comfortable enough with Myers Leonard yeah. guarding him, with Kelly Olynyk guarding him. I mean, if Chris Boucher is as good as Chaz thinks he is, then that's a whole different story. But Chaz thinks that he could be a max contract level player. So, <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I don't see the max contract level, but I could, you know, if he does have a serious breakout season this year, then that will erase my criticism of, like, the Heat being a good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. But, like, if he doesn't have a breakout season, Aaron Baines doesn't have a breakout season, then the Raptors are probably the best matchup for yeah. the Heat. Probably like the Raptors and like they, I mean, they show that they can neutralize the Bucks. I bet they could do it again. Mm-hmm. So the Bucks have to be up there, and I think they could do it to the Celtics again too, especially now that they don't have Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and they didn't get another big wing to replace him, unless they're hoping that like Nesmith, Langford, or like Grant mm-hmm. Williams could really step up. But like, I don't, I don't see any of them stepping up in enough of a way to put pressure on. Uh, yeah, Miami Heat. And just quickly about Gordon Hayward, we're going to talk about the Celtics later, but I just wanted to let it be said here that today we got the news that it's doing a sign-in trade with the Celtics and the Hornets. It's not actually just a signing by the Hornets. So it's Gordon Hayward in two seconds going to Charlotte for a future conditional second, and the Celtics are getting a $30 million in trade exception money to play with this season, which is something that I hope they could make do of, but we'll talk about that later. I don't think they'll be able to bring in someone that'll have that kind of cap space, but who knows? Maybe they'll, yeah. maybe Danny Ainge has got something up his sleeve. He actually did manage to finesse Charlotte after all. I didn't think this was going to happen. But I mean, they, the interesting thing with that is that they still waive Nick Batum, but I, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm someone who would rather be late to the take, but properly informed. Yeah. So I'm going to wait to hear another tweet uh, Shams has been on top of this story. Shams tweeted out about the Nick Batum waving, and then he tweeted out about the signing trade. So he obviously has someone in the Charlotte camp. Yeah. So I'm going to wait to hear if Nick Batum is being stretched, uh, confirmation that he's being waived before I freak out. But I'm pretty sure that this signing trade should have opened up a way for them to bring in, for them to move enough money to get Hayward. Yeah. Um, and maybe they'll trade Cody Zeller now. I don't know. The two seconds – I thought the two seconds would be enough to entice Billy Donovan to take the expiring – I mean, not mm-hmm. Billy Donovan, Sam Presti, to take the expiring in OKC. But that's a, that's a whole – Yeah, that's a whole talk. That's a whole talk. I, I do want to go back to – we talked about the Heat a little bit before. Mm-hmm. On the Western Conference, there's another team that's going to be calling Giannis's phone a lot this season. Well, not this season because that's tampering, but – yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell that to <laughs> tell that to Steve Ballmer going to every single every single uh, Raptors game, tampering my bum. So, so there's a a team of down in Dallas that's looking to put some pieces together around their superstar Luka Doncic, and they look like they will have the cap space. And again, another hole in their lineup that Giannis can fill. Now they are gonna have. Kristaps making $31 million next year, but he's really their only max free agent. They have Josh Richardson's got an 11-year, $11 million player option, which I guess he'll see what his market's like. I can see a world where Josh Richardson declines that. Oh, I see I see every world where he declines that. I mean, if you want to take a second to look at the comparable money, you know, even Jay Crowder got three years, 30. Mm-hmm. Danny Green got, fifth, got 30 million over two years. Like, there is... Like at 11, 11 million, like might be good, but he'll definitely 
get yeah. more from some team for multiple years, even if he loses $1 million that year. I don't see him taking that player option. Yeah, the only only justification I could really think for Jay Rich would be that the 2021 Injury. free agency is so loaded already that maybe he wants to wait till 2022 when more team when there'll be less people on the market. But I do think he's going to opt out. They're going to have so just Kristaps and then Dwight Powell's coming back. He's still on an $11 million deal. I'm really excited to see that big man rotation. They're going to have Maxi Cleaver. For eight point seven, Dwight, Dwight really quick. Dwight Powell, IMG alumni and Canadian, so he is definitely a ball talk official favorite. A big fan favorite over here. I'm going to talk a lot about Dwight Powell later. Awesome. On. But uh, Luca's up on a ten million dollar team option, so I'm pretty sure they're going to bring him back on that. You uh, think so? I you think, think so? they might. I think <laughs> they might have to break the bank and bring him back on that ten million. Keepers <laughs> under contract for eight point seven. Daily Fantasy Sports, aka Dorian Finney Smith. Is on the contract for four million, <laughs> and then they re-sign guys like Trey Burke. Apparently, got a three-year, ten million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. I love Trey Burke personally. I was a huge fan of his when he was at Michigan. You know, I love some smaller guards who can get buckets. I missed so that I Trey Burke signing on my uh, earlier. That's my bad, but still, like, just like that's no money. That's yeah. really they they the him and Dorian Finney-Smith combining for seven million, and then Dwight Taylor Powell making yeah. ten. Like, what? Like, I mean, no, no disrespect, but, like, wow, that's a small contract. Mm-hmm. And then they still have Jalen Brunson's going to be under contract for $1.8 million. Tyrell Terry's going to be on a rookie deal. Josh Less Green, than a million. Josh Green's on a rookie deal. They're going to have Tyler Bay, who's on a two-way contract right now. He should be on the second year of his rookie deal next year. And then Willie Cauley-Stein's going to have a $4.2 million team option, which they'll probably decline. But even if they don't, they're going to be looking at somewhere between 30 to $40 million in cap space going into 2021 with a lineup of Jalen Brunson, Luca, Christos Porzingis, Dorian Finney-Smith, and insert 3-4 Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> bring the international team all to Dallas, have, sell the most jerseys around the world that you've ever seen. <laughs> the trio of Christos, Luca, and KP will be the most infamous basketball worldwide global game type stuff that you'll ever see. And I really think that they're going to be able to make a push. They're going to have a good season this year in the Western conference. Most likely it's going to be a bloodbath, but knock on wood that Luca is going to stay healthy. KP is going to come back. They're both, they should be a playoff team. And then if Giannis loses with the bucks in round one to the Miami heat, and doesn't want to be Kevin Durant. Then Dallas looks like it's the best option to me. Yeah, I, I mean personally, I don't see the I don't, I don't like the Giannis the Denver to Dallas uh, thing. So that's because uh, I've heard rumors that a lot of players really don't respect the Dallas front office. That uh, the Dallas front office doesn't treat their players like players; they treat them like contracts, the same way that Danny Ainge does, which is going to be talked about a lot more on our podcast with my friend Tyler, mm-hmm. um, Tyler James. Um, so I don't see the Giannis going to Mavericks. I don't think it's that big a thing. I also have heard that he really doesn't want to take a step back. So I think that takes out both the Mavericks and the Lakers. But still clearing all that cap space, like even if they could just poach Paul George, mm-hmm. that would be insane. Yeah, you bring in a team where it's just like, if they can bring in anyone who can either rotate with KP and allow him to just have a complete mismatches at the 4-5, or rotate with Luca, and then they'll have mismatches all over the, 
all on the wing. They're going to be a team that's going to become impossible to guard with the Jay Rich. And even this season, bringing in Josh Richardson for Seth Curry allows them to run so many different lineups. They can run big lineups with Luka, Josh, Dorian, Kleber, KP, or you can have Powell out there. You can have smaller lineups where Josh Richardson's playing the two or the three for you with Luka, and then you have Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, and then any of Kleber, KP, Powell, Boban at the five. So Willie Cauley-Stein still. They have a lot of rotational pieces that I think are going to be really good and help them make the playoffs. An interesting thing is that I've heard that KP won't be – I can't remember if it was KP or Jaron Jeff, but one of them isn't back until February. Um, it's going to be hard for the Mavericks to not – to not play with uh, KP for a little while because they just, they don't have mm-hmm. a backup five in that way. Like Dwight Powell's coming back from an Achilles injury. Boban is good in short bursts. Kleber's like a four. Kleber's one of the few guys in the NBA that is just a four. I, I actually am going to be doing a segment on that at some point about <laughs> the few guys in the NBA that are just fours. It's a rare breed nowadays. It's a rare breed. Everyone switches some way. But they don't really have any – I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein is Willie Cauley-Stein. You know you know. What yeah. They don't really have a strong five. And so I think that also lends to Luka's MVP case for the season mm-hmm. where he's going to carry this team. And if they're, a, if they're a one seed two months into the season and then KP comes back, maybe three months into the season and KP comes back, mm-hmm. book it, Luka MVP. Book it. Just book yeah. it. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about this Dallas team coming into next season is you're going to look at the Lakers, who are probably going to let LeBron take a lot of rest because of the short season, quick back-to-backs. You're going to look at the Clippers, who Kawhi's Mr. Load Management, Paul George, <laughs> been that in the past couple of years, so we'll see how they rotate their bigs. Houston, it doesn't even deserve to be mentioned as a top team in the Western Conference at the moment. Hey, hey, I actually am really happy with Houston, and we're going to be doing a three-man weave episode with some Houston guys, and I really want to talk about them. I really think that Houston can be good this year, but whatever, keep going. Keep going. I think we're going to be looking at teams like Dallas and Denver and maybe even Utah that are going to be rolling out a lot of players and a lot of young guys that are out there to hoop, and they're going to play as much as they can, and they're going to play hard. Whereas teams like the Lakers and Clippers, I could see having more relaxed beginnings to the season, or just chilling. And they, they just know they need to make the playoffs. The home court's not going to be that big of a deal again. They know they need to, they're going to get their wins throughout the year. The Lakers and the Clippers know that. But I could see a world in where Dallas is a two or three seed, while the Clippers are like a four or five to start the season, just because Dallas is out here. Lucas playing every game. They got Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, Willie Colley Stein, which is a good rotation. Oban is still on the team this season. A decent big man rotation to run with Luka because you don't really need scorers at that position. You just want athletic guys who can set screens, get rebounds, protect the paint a little bit. Yeah. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, I love. Jay Rich, you know, provide them a lot of elite switchability on the wings. Anyway, can we send some real love to Dorian Finney-Smith really quick? Mm -hmm. So Dorian Finney-Smith showed up in the league and all he could do was run and move really, really fast. That dude showed up in the NBA as a super athlete and has carved himself into being probably, I mean, from what I understand by by trade reports, one of the most coveted 3 and D wings in the league, most definitely his contract plays a big part into it, getting that that kind of production. He's one of the best three-point shooters. He's one of the best defenders as a 3-4 
He can play the three and the four legitimately. Yeah. And he's making about four million a year. He is probably one of the most one of the better assets, one of the underratedly best assets in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think you could trade him for like a, a Harden, but that, you know, I bet you could get two first round picks from some team for him if the Mavericks blew it up, but they're not going to. They have Luka Doncic. Yeah. And guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, they have young contract, small contracts and young players that I think even if they were to strike out a little bit in free agency this year, they could still sign some relatively big name guys and try to put together some trade packages with these other elite talents that they have on roster to try to make some bigger guys, like bigger splashes of players that are already under contract that might want off their teams. Mm-hmm. So I think the Mavericks are in a really good spot. They have a lot of assets that they're going to have going into the future. They're going to have a lot of time. Luca's still got two more years on $10 million. So they have this off season to really make a move. If not, they could still do something next off season. Mm-hmm. And getting Dwight Powell back, I'm, don't want to forget about Dwight Powell because he provides a lot of help for them off the scoring offensively off the bench. He's something that I'm while I'm looking up while I'm looking him up, he's kind of just like super discount bam out of bio for them is how I see Dwight Powell. <laughs> and that doesn't mean he can't come back and be better than Dollarama Dwight Dollarama Bam out of bio. <laughs> He could become $20 store, Bam Adebayo. He's not going to be max contract, Bam Adebayo, but he, last year he shot 63% from the field, 71.5% from two. That's something that there's maybe four players in the NBA that shoot about 70% from the two-point range. So mm-hmm. having a guy like that on roster who is reliable to go get lobs, finish lobs, go get offensive boards, finish them, knows when he's going to take his shots. He brings rebounding to the team. He brings steals and defense. He's a little bit undersized. I wish he could play the five. I think he's a little too small to play the five for them. But even yeah. as a four, when Kristaps is out there, he brings a lot of what Kristaps helps them above the rim with his being seven foot three and all that. And then Dwight Powell can big body up a lot of the guys coming to the paint. So when they're taking off balance shots, Kristaps can just fly in and send that stuff back out to Mark Cuban and top decks. I mean, one of the big issues with the uh, – I mean, one of the reasons why they lost was obviously – lost in the playoffs against the Clippers was obviously that everyone got injured. But a big thing was that they were missing Dwight Powell. His fit with Kristaps Porzingis was better than even – than I could have imagined. And I'm super high on Dwight Powell um, because he can guard fours and then play the five on offense, whereas Kristaps can play the four on offense and then guard the five and be a big rim protector on defense. So that mixed with Luca's ability to throw crazy dimes and Kristaps playmaking a little bit and the inside-outside game that him and uh, the Powell and KP had. and I mean, Luca just being generational really just made Dwight Powell invaluable. Yeah. Um, all that, like it really – I really – I mean, I watched that Clippers series and I'm watching it. I'm like, if Dwight Powell and Kristaps were both here not hurt, I'm going to say Mavericks in five, Mavericks in six. <laughs> Like those, yeah. Ma- this Mavericks team is legit, and it's going to surprise a lot of people when they have a top two, a top three, top four seed next next uh, season. I still, th- I still think that the Lakers are going to wind up with a top three. Yeah, I think the Nuggets are probably going to get one because they're going to work really I can hard. See it. But yeah. I, I really could see the Mavericks with like either two, three, or four. I, mean, I, I would really not be surprised if they wind up with the four and the Clippers have the five, and we get an insane first round series again. It would that would be, make me really happy. That would be great for sure. And then the Mavericks also 
besides their just free agency and trades that they did, they, I think they drafted really well. Oh, yeah. Out. Didn't even get to talk about – oh, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, the, their draft was insane, especially if you are a big ringer guy. Mm-hmm. And if you're a big ringer guy, you're in love with Tyrell Terry. Um, a lot of people were mocking Bill Simmons that uh, <laughs> if there was another month of the preseason of this uh, draft break, that Tyrell Terry would have wound up in the lottery in his mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, or top five in his mock drafts. But Tyler Terry winds up going 31. Um, I just like everything I've heard about the kid is that he's a true workhorse. You get that at 31, you're happy. And then Josh Green at 18, mm-hmm. I, I called it. He wouldn't have gone past 19. Chaz can back yes, him on that. I said, no way he makes the past pick number 19. Not a chance. He went 18, so I felt vilified. Josh Green, great guy. I went to school with him for one year. And he was just a guy who, like, if I had to explain his demeanor, it was, I am here to hoop. Mm-hmm. And he showed up every day with that demeanor, I am here to hoop. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to laugh. I'm not here to – I mean, not that he wasn't laughing, not that he wasn't having fun, but mm-hmm. he wasn't here to laugh. He wasn't here to joke around. He wasn't here to half rep it. He wasn't here to not finish a layup. He wasn't here to not jump the highest during his workouts. He didn't even do the dunk contest. It was an IMG dunk. He didn't do it. That wasn't what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He was the highest flyer in the – and he, everyone knew he was the highest flyer there. Him and, uh, him and Ant Simons, they were the two guys. They were like, these guys need to join the con. Neither of them did it. They're both too business-oriented. Mm-hmm. So I really think Josh Green is going to show up and just shut up and work his butt off next to Luca. And I really – I think he should be the starting two. I think he can guard ones and twos. I think he should be the starting two next to Luca. I think it's a little bit early for Josh Green to be the starting two. No, right now. Right Josh now. Anderson. Right now. <laughs> I like the Luca at the one, Josh Richardson at the two, Dorian Faye Smith at the three. Oh, yeah. I think that's a crazy trio for them to run into the future. Mm-hmm. But I do I do love the Josh Green draft pick as well. I think he's going to be – he's one of those guys that when he was in high school was a little bit higher in people's potential mock drafts and then I think fell a little bit in college, kind of got slept on. I feel like he was always around that pick, but uh... – Keep going. Either way, I, like I had him more in like a 10 to 15. He went 18, but it doesn't matter. I think he's going to benefit a lot from having a guy like Josh Richardson on the team who's basically, if Josh Green wants an example of how he can make himself a $20 million man in the NBA, look no further than Josh Richardson and Dorian Finney-Smith that are literally on your team. You can, oh, yeah. He can become an invaluable piece to this Mavericks franchise for the next four years if he can just make himself that 3 and D lockdown to play next to Luka. Because if they can have him do that on his rookie contract, then he will be there and getting quality minutes, and then we'll get an extremely large extension at the end of it all. Because he will establish himself. And I think he has all the tools to do it. I think coming off the bench, he'll have a lot of opportunity to play a lot of defense. I like the, I like the idea of having him and Jalen Brunson as a backcourt off the bench. Jalen Brunson, the Villanova guy. A little bit undersized, so Josh is going to have to work on defense. But Jalen Brunson's a good defender, too. He's yeah, he's strong. he's strong. It's, very it's... strong for his size. And so he's going to be – those two guys on the at the one-two off the bench is going to provide them with a lot of just grittiness. Like, you're going to make teams work a lot more for their buckets than you thought against the Mavericks last year because the Mavericks were touted for their historic offense, but they would also give up, like, 110, 120 points per game. They'd score 130, but – now you're going to be looking at a lot more difficult scoring against this team, I think. 
they're going to start to be able to pull away in late games. They had a lot of trouble closing games last year. I think that's going to change this year. They're going to be able to win a lot more of those close ones. I did. They also got Tyler Bay. Sorry, they also got Tyler Bay during the draft oh, yeah. with the Seth Curry trade. Who I think he's on a two-way. He is on a two-way, right, and I sweet. hope he makes the team because – in my mind, Tyler Bay is what Kyle Kuzma wishes he was. Because he's a third-year player, player coming out of the Pac-12, a stretch 3-4. He could shoot, but Tyler Bay is coming out of college at about 30 pounds stronger than Kyle Kuzma was. He can come in and play the 3-4 like Dorian Finney-Smith. He can guard those guys. And last year, he shot 42% from three in his junior season. Albeit, he only, it was on one attempt a game. So his oh, wait, wait, wait. one hand. make a game or one attempt a game? One attempt a game. Okay, I don't 42%. buy that number. Yeah. Not buying that number. That's why I, I had What was his free throw it. like? What was his free throw like? His free throw was at a 74, I believe. He shot 77 in his sophomore season, 74 in his junior. I'm not buying it. I'm not I'm I'm out. I don't I'm not fully out, but I'm a little out. But the Mavericks have a good shooting coach, so I'm not, you know, I might regret that take. I don't think he's a shooter. He's not coming into the league, but I think one of the things we have to understand is that even though the NBA has evolved as a three-point shooting game in the last five to ten years, in the first 40, 50 years of the league, guys weren't coming into the league averaging 40, 45% reliable three-point shooters. It's something that you work on. you got to get ready to be able to do it at game speed, at an NBA level. And I think Tyler Bay has shown in his college career that he's a hard worker. He's, worked, he's been at Colorado his three years. He's gotten steadily better every season. He's coming to the NBA now. I think he's going to be on a two-way deal. Maybe he sees time in the G League, which could be good for him. And I think eventually he could step into that Dorian Finney-Smith role for them where he's guarding three fours off the bench if they want him to. I wouldn't mind seeing him off the bench with Josh Green and Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm. like Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber, whichever one you want to bring off there and Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, that's honestly a, de- a decent athletic running team. Like They're going to be something that you're going to have to worry about for a while. So I think Tyler Bay to get in that draft to the trade is another good piece that even if he doesn't pan out, I like the upside that he brings to the team with a, on a two way, not much yeah. more you could ask for. Uh, an interesting thing with the two ways this year, we haven't mentioned it yet on the pod. So I'm going to talk about it a little slower than I'm going to talk about it in the future because I will bring this up again, mm-hmm. but two way contracts this year don't have a limit on how many days they can be on the team. So by signing someone to a two-way, you're basically just signing them to a free roster spot. Yeah, you're you're keeping a roster spot open. You're sp- you're spending a second-round pick to have an open roster spot. So you could see a guy like Tyler Bay be on this two-way, but actually play eighty, well, seventy-two games. Mm-hmm. You know, sixty-eight games. You know, yeah. they just signed him to the two-way because they wanted to. They weren't, you know, and he'll become he'll be going into restricted free agency at the end of the year, but. You need to have that extra roster spot in case of COVID. You didn't want to have to make the decision early. He won't have a cap hit. So even yeah. if you do sign that max contract and you have to pay a little bit more for this guy, you pay a little more for the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like – I think the two ways are going to be really interesting. I think it's going to get expanded throughout the year too. We'll talk about it throughout the season because I'm sure it will come up with COVID. Cause oh, yeah. If- I cannot believe that you're still at the, that they're still at the 15 to 17 limit, that there aren't two free roster spots being given out at this. I mean, maybe they'll wait until all the rosters are finalized, but mm-hmm. you need an extra two bodies in there. I can't believe they haven't done that yet. Yeah, so the Mavericks are one of those teams that I think 
are underratedly deep at pretty much every position. I think at the guards, they're pretty set. They have guys that can handle the ball, guys that can run their offense. J.J. Beret is back on the team. I think he's just there hoping they'll win a championship soon so he can retire. And uh, yeah. they brought in Wesley Wandu on like a minimum, like a, the DeAndre Bembry less than the vet min, min contract. So it's, does, again, a the- no-brainer. What does Wesley Awundu even even do? Not like, I, I like to think I know everyone in the league. I don't know what Wesley Awundu does. I'm sorry. What, he he's a, a six six wing. He can do a little bit of everything while doing nothing at the same time. Wow. Yeah. And, he... uh, <laughs> if you look at his stats, then you will automatically agree with that because I know it to be true. He's one of those guys that he he could every once in a while maybe score twelve points. But if he gets you like three, three and two, you're happy. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna play for them. I just think he's one of those guys that if he is your your fourth small forward coming off the bench, he's it's not a bad fourth small forward. Like it's better than other guys. It, I'd rather have Wesley Wandu than Ryan Brokoff, who's one of the only guys they lost in free agency. He went yeah. to the Sixers. It's like we might as well bring in Wesley then. Who cares? Just yeah. someone to fill out that roster. And then they're going to have a lot of money to try to go after Giannis or anyone else in free agency. 2021 is going to be a star-studded class. John talked about it a little bit earlier. There's going to be a lot of guys that are looking to make a lot of money. And the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban has not shy to throw in the bag at players. And I think Mark Cuban's also got a different relationship within the league where you said earlier how the people don't like the Mavericks because they treat them like contracts. And I, I get that because Mark Cuban is that kind of businessman who will just kind of cut ties and not deal with you at all. But I think we've seen time and again that he's also very personable. He mm-hmm. likes to get involved with the team. So if he can get a relationship, if he has a relationship or he can build a relationship with anyone that they bring into the team, I think they can kind of curb that culture and that opinion of the roster. Because Dirk always said he loved it there, you know? Yeah. Never I mean, problem. lots of lots – of... It's it's more just the ability like they would get guys they just wouldn't be able to keep them. Mm-hmm. So I could see them. This is gonna be weird. I could see them getting like at worst Blake Griffin. I could see them pulling one of those yeah. one of the one of the older guys out of this free agency class, adding them to the team, knowing that they'll bring some veteran experience that this team desperately will need. And I know that I they're gonna get someone. It might not be Giannis, but whoever they bring in is gonna help. You know, yeah. I don't see them not getting anyone. When you're throwing thirty million dollar bags at people, you get someone. Look at uh, look at Gordon Hayward. Yeah, that's a, the last thing I really want to say about the Mavericks is that they're going into the off season. They're going to be looking at probably around thirty to forty million dollars in cap space. And they could make and, it more. They could make it more if they and, really wanted to. They could. Yeah, they have guys they could trade. They could clear up ten, eleven, eight million here or there. But one of the last thing I wanted to say is that they will. Do not expect the Dallas Mavericks to have any kind of cap space entering the 2021-2022 season. I believe that if they go in there with $40 million, they're leaving, going into training cap with damn near all their money spent. They're not a team that's expecting to strike out next year. They're going to sign someone, even if it's not the biggest name. Someone's coming to Dallas because they want to try to capitalize on Luka before he has to get the biggest of bags. He's gonna get such a big max that he will that he will deserve that that trio free agency will be a, a different level of money handed out the NBA. We'll start seeing fifty million dollar contracts. I think like it's gonna happen. But, I'm pretty yeah. sure that that's 
pretty sure that could happen in three years. I did the math. I did the math one day. It's been a little bit, but I did the math once, and I think in three years, uh, Kawhi and Paul George can sign for fifty million. I think Chris Paul's last year is like forty-seven million. John Wall's up there too. John Wall's up there, crazy. Here, I'll update. I've got it right here. Um, Chris Paul's last year would be actually only thirty-nine. No, it's. Steph's going to be 40. Harden will be 42. I think in two or three years, you're going to see the $50 million contracts. Yeah, no, they're definitely getting up there. Russell Westbrook's contract gets up there near the end of it, I know for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks are going to be making a push of free agents. We're going to see throughout the year, obviously, there's going to be rumors. There's going to be talks about who's leaving, who's staying. And all this could be mute, to be honest, talk, because he could just resign the max super max on day one of training camp with the bucks and that would be the saddest thing in the world that's, that's the craziest possible. that's the crazy thing though that's the crazy thing though training camp starts on tuesday ad and Giannis both haven't signed Giannis can wait until december 21st to sign but if ad doesn't sign like he won't be at camp so is he allowed, is, are they allowed to go to like can ad go to camp or is it considered tampering or something if he's still a free agent technically? i don't know i i i don't no, and I don't have any league sources I could text to ask, and I'm not going to go spend know. four hours combing through the CBA. Mm-hmm. But I will do that one day. Don't get me wrong. Next CBA, I think I'm going to read the entire thing and take like a like a cliff notes. See if yeah. we'll get big on that. We'll, we'll th- try to throw you guys a podcast for the next but, NBA CBA. But yeah, that CBA <laughs> is massive. All right, before we close it out, I want to just quickly say Nate Robinson. Uh, oh yeah, your boy my heart, broke my heart, but. Uh, I met Nate Robinson once, and he's a great guy. He was my little brother's favorite player, and he made uh, he filmed a little happy birthday for him, and it was really cool, and I appreciate him forever for that. But seeing him get knocked out brought a tear to my eye. Man, that guy was not ready. That guy was not He got knocked out by a YouTube star. Said, please like and subscribe. But bam He got slept. And um, I, I love Nate Robinson. I will continue to support Nate Robinson. There's probably one of the best little dudes to ever be in the NBA, you know, him, Muggsy Bogues. Um, both of them, I'm pretty sure, no, it was Spud Webb who won a dunk contest, but Nate Robinson, I'm pretty sure three times dunk Three champion. times, he has, the, he, has the, he has the record. I think he's tied, but he has the record. So to be, to be listed at 5'9", which I can promise you, he's definitely not 5'9", and have three NBA dunk, dunk contest championships is uh, something that, Basically, no one else, I think, in the history of the world is going to be able to say they've done. So I think mm-hmm. Nate Robinson deserves a lot of respect for that. There's plenty of videos of him dunking on Shaq during sets of filming Uncle Drew. If anyone wants to check it out, he gets straight over the man. So you got to see that he's an athlete. I'm sorry he has to get knocked like that. He just a- didn't do enough. I mean, I'm just – I'm happy. I'm going to be real. I'm happy I just waited until everything went to Instagram because <laughs> – because like, all I would have gotten that was enjoyable was one minute of watching Nate Robinson get kicked and then watching Mike Tyson and was it I don't remember the other guy's name but going Jr. going to a draw I, I'm happy I didn't pay I'm not paying for any trailer fights in the future uh yeah trailer you lost my money sorry um <laughs> that Snoop Dogg commentary was fire though it was amazing I really hope that they get him on the all-star game at least or there yeah. won't be an all-star game this year get him on some Lakers games man yeah, they got to get Uncle Snoop out here. Get him and Drake. Him and Drake, please. Please, that would be the best. A Lakers-Raptors Lakers, uh, Lakers Raptors game. Get them both on. 
let's see, I could do it for a Lakers Raptors game, but it could imagine a celebrity All Star game too with like with Jake and Snoop commentating, and they know everyone playing. You know, like you can have a all rapper games. Well, you don't have to have all rappers, obviously, but yeah, you have to bring in people that people will actually want to come. Other watch. people want to see, you know, but you can have a yeah. I would be excited to see, and I do think that Snoop is probably going to make his way to the NBA. He's loved basketball. He's been a guest commentator for the Lakers a couple times, I think it is in life. Yeah, for like little five-minute puts. Yeah, he did he a hilarious hockey. hockey one, didn't he? He loves hockey, apparently, yeah. He loves the NHL. He just loves winning. He just loves LA. He <laughs> loves LA, honestly. He yeah. loves everything LA except for the Clippers. Snoop loves life, loves winning, loves, uh, loves it all. It's a loves good way to live your life. Yeah, very happy. All right. I think, I think that's job. ball talk, baby. I think that's yeah. it. I think that's, that's a... That's an episode. That's about an hour and 15, I think. Whatever it was. Yeah. Great time. Chaz, always a pleasure talking with you on this. Yeah. Shout and out the IG, official ball talk. Ball Follow talk it, official. Like ball talk official. Ball talk official. I got it wrong. <laughs> he got it wrong, but he made it, even though he doesn't use social media ever. It's okay. Um, we working on it. Uh, shout out Sarah Fuller. Um, yeah, Sarah Fuller made history. Made history. If only made history. Made us all watch Vanderbilt play football. So yeah. you know, I don't know. <laughs> little little plus, little minus, right there. Um, yeah. Take it easy, everybody. Have a great day.